podcast. I am your host, Lisa Kay, here with my amazing co-host, Jen Conkey. Hi, everybody. Welcome. All right. So today our guest is just one of my personal favorite people. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Mr. Brian Standage. So Brian is a husband and father to Laura and his five boys that are his greatest accomplishment and joy in life. He has held progressive roles over the past 20 years as a senior director, VP, and COO with world-recognized brands such as Banner Health, Target, PMI Marketing, and Franklin Covey International. Brian has a BS and MS from Arizona State University and has obtained numerous certifications and public speaking opportunities in training and teaching disciplines, such as the four roles of leadership, seven habits of highly effective people, what matters most, managing execution. And he has worked alongside the founders of Franklin Covey, such as Stephen R. Covey and Hiram Smith for over a decade, working with numerous leaders and entrepreneurs, athletes during his career, such as Bill Phillips, Richard Branson, or Bill Romanowski. I mean, dang, is there any time left for the episode? I know. About how great Brian is, do we have any time left? I'm already feeling tired just from you. Wow. I mean, all those accomplishments just wear you out. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys. Um, Thank you, Brian, for being here, I should say. Um, I am excited to share this with you. So episode 14 is all about the men. This episode is for the men. Um, And Brian, you know, he just oozes testosterone. So we thought- Manliness of all men to then speak on this. Yeah, yeah. We brought the manliest of all men on the testosterone explosion to talk about um, men today and the business and bliss journey with men. So obviously from your background, you've accomplished a ton. Um, But again, when I was thinking about, you know, who are the best guests to share with our listeners, you also have a really amazing bliss journey that is so powerful. And I think so many men need to hear it. You know, there's, there's so much out there about women's movement right now and feminism and women power and you know, Jen and I are really all about you power and having a good balance between just in general, empowering individuals to reach their highest potential. And so we want to make sure we have a good balance of episodes that really connect with women and also connect with men. And so, um, congratulations. You're, you're on our list to do that for us today. So no pressure. Awesome. Um, so Brian, you know, when we were talking in our pre-screen, you shared a ton of wisdom. You know, I have my list here of all the wisdom that Brian shared. Um, and so, you know, I kind of have some notes here where we can start, but I wanted to just turn it over to you, to you and just really hear, you know, for men out there who are going through whatever they're going through, um, whether it be, you know, communication in a relationship or struggling to to advance in their career or whatever it may be. I feel like you had some really great insights and you talked about a specific exercise around the I-beam that I just loved. So I want to make sure we get to that. But where would you like to start in sort of sharing your wisdom that you and I talked about um, during our pre-screen? Well, let, let's let's start here because, you know, anytime you, and you kind of did it, you as you introduced me and you read through my bio and you know, men love to hear all these things that we accomplish, right? That, that floats our ego, that gets us all charged up on how important we are and how successful we are. And at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't mean jack. It, it really doesn't. The titles and the accomplishments don't mean anything. And I think that's the, 
incongruency that men have that we're always battling with ourselves, where we're struggling with getting the accomplishments, meeting our objectives and being the man that we're supposed to be, yet we have no congruency to what those accomplishments really mean to what we value most in our life. And until you get to a point in life where you have harmony between your behaviors and what you're driving for, and that they're completely aligned with what you value most in your life. I mean, until you get to that point, men just struggle having the, whether it's, whether you call it like a, this inner peace or this joy or this, this fulfillment that we all want in life, men are constantly battling with ego, accomplishments, and where do I finally say that I'm, I'm satisfied, that I, that I have inner peace, that I'm happy in life, and until you get a congruency between the behaviors, the choices that you're making in life, and that they're aligned with the values that you, tr that you would say, hey, this is what I really believe in my life is most important. You're never going to have a congruency in terms of having that inner peace. And so that's the biggest struggle I think that most guys just make in life. Because, you know, just as you're reading that, you know, I'm, you know, gloating. And, yeah, yeah, I'm really important. Yeah, this is great. I'm so, it, that, it, none of that matters at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Until I can look in the mirror and say, every day that I wake up, I can look in that mirror and say, I have absolute alignment with the choices that I'm making in life and how they're aligned with what matters most in my life. And so tell us how you, I remember you told me about an exercise you did when you were 25 and you figured that out. And there, you know, there are people that may be younger than that listening to this now. There may be men who are older than that. And, you know, it's never too late to get aligned. It's never too late to establish and get clarification on what are my values? What is driving me? But walk us through the exercise that you took yourself through. I think you said I was 25, 26. That really helped you get clarity, which has since then informed, you know, all these decisions you've made in your life well it's and it's an exercise that i still do to this day so you know values in our lives can constantly be changing just because we may identify a value whether i was at 25 or i'm now at 48 that uh, my values are going to be the same they, they evolve and they change and they change as like we get uh, uh our family changes or our dynamics and our professional career changes but our values can shift and adapt and change but it's up to us to be sure that our behaviors, our choices equally adapt and change with our values. And that's where the incongruency comes with. This is a lot of times people will adapt and change and yet they don't have the right choices changing with what matters most to them. And so there's this, there's this gap that starts existing between behavior choices and what we identify inside with what matters most. And so a lot of people have a, just a difficulty identifying, well, what is a value? And sometimes you have to even identify what a value even is. And, and this is just a really simple exercise that I've used over time. And I, and I will tell you, it's, a, it's an activity that was demonstrated and conveyed to me both through uh, the Stephen Covey and Hiram Smith days when I worked with them. And I'll, I'll simplify it because it can really be a long process in working through this I-beam analogy. But most people know what an I-beam is. It's a, it's a constructural steel beam that they use on large structures and Generally speaking, it's about 12 inches wide, and it can stretch as far as 10 feet to 50 feet. And so if we use this analogy, and I said, hey, Lisa, I've got this I-beam, and I've got it laid on the ground. I'm going to stand on one side of the I-beam. You're going to stand on the other, and I want you to walk across this beam. And if you get across the beam, I'm going to give you 50 bucks. I know Lisa 
and and Lisa's love of money enough that she's going to be walking You're across ridiculous. the really, really fast. Because that's <laughs> lunch money for the rest of the week. <laughs> so Lisa would most likely say, hey, you know, that's worth the risk. But I'm going to take a little elevation to this uh, I-beam and to heighten the stakes a little bit with you, Lisa, and say, we're going to now raise it 50 feet in the air. And I'm going to have it secured and the I-beam's not going to shake. It's going to be a, a pretty safe, stable 12-inch beam. But now I want you to walk across this 50-foot I-beam to me. But now we're, we're, we have a significant gap between where the I-beam is at and the ground floor is at. And if you fall, you could do some damage. But I'm going to give you $100,000 if you can make it across this I-beam that's 50 feet in the air. Lisa might say, I might do that. I, I might take that risk. But you're starting to waver. Now, if I really raise the stakes and say, okay, we're going to take this I-beam, we're going to stretch it across two skyscrapers in downtown Minneapolis, and now we're 800 feet in the air. There's some swaying that's occurring on these skyscrapers, and, uh, but the I-beam's securely attached. The I-beam's not going to fall, but we're now significantly high in the air, and if you fall, you're going to die. There, there's no chance that you're going to live. And I'm going to now raise the stakes in which I'm going to have a little bribe on the other side of the I-beam, and I'm now saying, Lisa, if you can get to the other side of this I-beam, I've got a million bucks for you. If you can do this, I've got a million bucks for you that I'm going to give to you if you can accomplish the task of walking from where you're at on the one side of the building to where I'm at on the other side of the building. 50-foot I-beam, you know, a few hundred feet in the air. Lisa may think about it. Now, you may, there, and there's, I've, I've done this analogy with other people that have been willing to say, I would still walk across that I-beam for 100 bucks. And I think that tells a lot about a person. It may mm -hmm. mean that you're not risk averse. It may mean that uh, you, you do have a, a high value of money. It may mean that uh, you like taking chances, you know, but it does tell you something about yourself. Mm -hmm. And if I know Lisa, though, and, if I knew, and as I do know you, uh, you probably wouldn't walk across that for a million bucks. But if I said, hey, Lisa, now on the, I, I'm on the other side of this I-beam, and I've got your child. And if you don't walk across this I-beam, I'm going to let your child go on the other side. And your child will have no chance of survival, obviously. But you've got to get to the other side of this I-beam to save this child. And if you don't, it's over. I know Lisa very well. You would run across that I-beam. You would disregard whatever challenges, whatever obstacles, you, you, you would disregard your safety and you would make it across that I-beam. And that exercise demonstrates two things. One, it demonstrates that you value the life of your child above and beyond anything else in the world. And if I do that exercise with people or you do it with yourself, and if you come to the conclusion, you know, I have to really admit to myself that family is really important or Maybe it's my significant other, or maybe it's my child, or, you know, but you can do this exercise as I've just demonstrated on a lot of different principles. And I've just identified a Lisa principle that there is nothing in my life that's more important than my child. Well, if that's the case, and this is kind of the thing where you have to have that conversation with the man's ego, because men have a difficult time saying that my wife or my child is the most important thing in the entire world. They may say it verbally, but then when you say, well, if that's true, do your behaviors and your choices substantiate that? Do they back up what you're trying to tell me that your wife and your child is the most important thing? Because we just did this activity and you told me you'd walk across that idea. There's no way you're letting your child go. 
Well, then let's see it manifest in the way that you're living your life. And it comes back down to, right, what I talked about, are your behaviors in alignment with your values? And a lot of men have to take a hard look in the mirror and say, you know what, they're not. I don't treat my wife like a princess. I, I, you know, I'm not spending in the adequate time with my child. You know, I'm not taking the time outs to really be thoughtful about where I'm spending my time with what I value. So you can do this exercise just as I did when I was 25. And at that time when I was 25, I was struggling. I was kind of in and out of school, trying to, having a difficulty finding my identity. And I came across this kind of opportunity in this exercise that I just outlined for you. And it, and it completely reshaped the way I looked at my life. And so I did this exercise and I came up with five values at that time. And today I have eight values. And with those values, I've just defined them. I just put what that value means to me and I added a definition to them and it's changed over time. But I keep revisiting my values because I find that if you don't, your choices will not be in concert with the values that hopefully you say, these are mine. So it's just a good, it's a really good way to constantly reset and, and check and balance yourself with, are the choices that I'm making in line with my values? And if so, man, I've got to feel great about the decisions that I'm making in my life. I, because we, we know we go, you go through weeks and months and sometimes you're like, gosh, I feel like a freaking hamster in a wheel. I'm so flipping busy. And at the end of the weekend and the month, I absolutely don't feel fulfilled. And that's what men feel in large part. I feel that way all the time. And every time I get to that point, I have to take a reset and say, listen, okay, let's come back. What do I value in life? Okay, that, 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 I, I, that is true. Those are all uh, still absolutely true with my identity. And if that is the case, do my behaviors match? Yes, they do. Then I've got to let go of some of the things that I can't control in life. And I got to let go of my ego just because... I, not, I may not be the CEO and the top dog right now, or I may not, I may be falling short on some of my goals, but I know that the decisions that I'm making every day are in concert with my values. I have a credible claim now to have inner peace and joy in life. Mm -hmm. And I have to allow myself to have that. And guys don't. Guys are constantly fighting. It's not good enough. It's, it's, I still haven't achieved it. And it's, I don't have that title. I don't have that accomplishment. And that's not what life is made up of. Mm -hmm. Life is made up of living a life of, appropriate choices being in concert with one's values and that's just a simple activity of just how do I find what my values are and that's uh, one activity that I constantly revisit over and over again every year to just again level check where are my values at and and where I'm at and, and where am I at in my behaviors to match it. Yeah. I think that's awesome and it's great advice because values are where we spend that's where we're going to spend the most of our time and energy. And that's literally what's going to drive our behavior. So, and whatever you truly value is what your behavior is going to go after. So you, you should be able to see pretty quickly if there's a disconnect. And I think that's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And you know what? Values are just the foundational <clears throat> groundwork in which you then can start building. Well, what are your goals now? What mm -hmm. are your long range goals? What are your intermediate goals? What are your daily goals? But until you really found identify what is the foundation of who you are as an individual. We, we often, I'm not just throwing guys into this because I think we all fall short on this. We all want to just jump to the end goal. And we think the goal is found in accomplishments or obtaining a, a certain status or uh, maybe it's some of it's financial. All of that, none of that is wrong. All of that is okay. If it's aligned to 
who you are as a person being the under underpinning of mm-hmm. how you're establishing those goals over long term. Because you know, if I never established, hey, listen, my wife and family is of the utmost importance to me, I can tell you that a lot of my decisions up until now would have been very different. Uh, I've had to sacrifice. I've had to sacrifice titles. I've had to sacrifice certain things that from a a male ego standpoint is very tough to give away because there's just this inner drive a lot of times in our, in our, in our man ego that we, we want, we have certain things we want to do. And, and, and oftentimes it's not important at the end of the day because it is an incongruency with what we value most. And so it, it also helps align our, our judgment and, and, and decision-making in aligning our, when we align our values with our uh, long and intermediate goals as well. Absolutely. That's what I spend a bulk of my time when we do the, the breakthroughs. One of the biggest pieces is to elicit. So we have, um, in, in my world, we believe that there are six areas of life and that if you want to supercharge one, you've got to identify first what your values are, where they come from, how did you find them, you know, what caused you to believe that those are your values or the beliefs that you come up with that shape you, and then how is that driving your behavior? And then going through the process of, okay, so what's the priority and how do you want to get to that goal and making a plan? And But values drive so much of our behavior and our ability to get to that next level. And you're right, they, they change. It's like, I saw this, um, I was talking to this person in a, in a class that I went to a training class with, Dr. Matt James. And he gave us this training on values specifically to, so that we can use it as a toolbox in our breakthrough sessions. And when he was talking to us about values, it's like what you said, Brian, they do evolve and they do evolve about every seven to eight years as we go through life experiences and we mature and we go through life events that shape us or change us, transform us. And we just start to value different things. So he was talking about there's this red value system, which is pretty super archaic and very man ego, beat your chest, let me do this at the hunter gatherer type of, you know, thing that was very Genghis Khan, you know, it was war, acquire more land, move on. And then it came blue where a blue value system is more like, Hey, we're going to follow the rules and we need to make some order to all of this because all of this war is, it's got to stop. So there was a, a period of time in the world where everybody started adopting the blue value system system of implementing rules and guidelines and following them and structure. And then came, you know, after they went through that phase, well, we're going to try and be more green and more open. And then there was, you know, the green conscious of the economy. And, and then as individuals, we go through all of these different value system changes. And it's just, it's such a trip how it's so true. Every seven years, when I looked back on my own personal timeline, my values have totally changed and they just evolve. And it is, it's like in a seven to eight year pattern that I noticed it. And um, it's, it's refreshing to see that there's men out there that identify with that and understand it. And I think that maturity and time on this planet and all of those experiences kind of shape you and, and help you see it. But that balance beam thing is a really cool analogy. Like I would absolutely, I would do cartwheels across that thing to get my kid. Right. Right. But I gotta be honest, not that I would normally lie, but I I gotta be honest. I would probably still go across it for the million bucks. I would, (laughs) as long as I could strap a parachute to my back and I'm going to tell you, I'm deathly afraid of heights. I can't believe I just publicly said that because nobody knows that but my wife, but I am terrified of heights and I've always masked it because you know, it's not cool to be afraid of heights, especially in my family, but I would still do it for a million dollars. I would do it. For me, I was like, 
I, if I, if I do that, I might die and then I wouldn't be here for my kids and I don't want anybody else raising my kids, you know? So it's like, what if, you know, that's, but I'm more risk averse. So anywho, but Brian, FYI, more to come, but I'm going to, I'm doing a course for men and it's called, it's going to be called something about what would you walk across the I-beam for? So I'm going to talk to you more about that because I think that is a great analogy um, for men. You know, it's very black and white for them. And um, I, I think it's a great exercise. So more to come on that. Spoiler alert, you can look on my website. So Brian, I'll be sure to give you some credit on that. Okay. Um, so, you know, I wanted to ask also, you're, you're someone, you know, you and I worked together for a long time and you've always been the type of leader who was very comfortable with, you know, like talking about how you feel about things and talking about, um, you know, where you were right, where you were wrong, like going into that like emotional place. And so, you know, the whole idea of where my energy came from of gosh, like I want to reach out and do a course for men is I feel like at some point in their lives, whether it was childhood or otherwise, there was something that, you know, taught them, this is a generalization of course, but taught a lot of men like not to feel their feelings and not to, you know, expand upon that emotional spectrum and it's impacting relationships. It's impacting their professional and personal development. And I know for you, that's something that you're very comfortable with, but that was a journey for you as well. So how did you arrive to that place? And for someone who, you know, is maybe struggling with that, where would you tell them to start? Well, I will preface this in saying that I did not come from a household that had a uh, father figure, an extended family that was warm and embracing and shared our feelings and emotions. That is not an environment that I came from. In fact, quite the opposite. And we were, uh, we were kind of taught that you you refrain from too much emotion and that, uh, you know, hugging and kissing, that was just something that was not in my wheelhouse because that's just not how I was raised. And being uh, in that type of world, it really actually taught me some of the things that I didn't want to replicate in my own life and in my family's life. And so I conscientiously had to make a point that in observing other families and observing other relationships that I said, you know, that's what I want. Uh, I want to have that kind of life. I want to have that kind of relationship and, and kind of pull, pulling the best of the best and saying, okay, what does it take to get that? Now, I will tell you a lot of this, the catalyst, a lot of this all started in uh, identifying what was most important to me through that value principle exercise that we just walked through with the IB. But that was just a launching point. There, from that point, I really had to do a lot of deep analysis to really, truly identify what was most important to me, because I, I really believe there's three different selves. You know, you have the public self that people see on the outside, and that's our maybe our professional Im- image and what we want people to see. Uh, to me, I, I look at social media and you see Facebook and Instagram, and it's all this. Oh, my life is so wonderful. You look and you say, "Bull crap! This is no way your life is that perfect." But it's that public life that we want people to see. And then you kind of have this private life that you live that is a little bit more protective and you let certain people into that private life. And that's where I started having to work on. uh, It was that private space with who I would allow in, 
you know, how was I going to uh, mature relationships and that in the, my dating life in my mid twenties and, you know, how is it going to mature and grow and having what I would say are successful relationships professionally, personally, but here's the thing I had, I, the, there's a, a, there's a third self that I think each one of us have. And that's, I call it the sacred self and men do not, do not ever go to the private sacred self. We never allow our point our, our, ourselves to get to that point. Uh, you know, maybe if we go meet with a psychiatrist or a counselor, you know, we, it takes maybe outside uh, support to get us to that point. But we don't pull ourselves into the private sacred self that allows us to really look at our our beliefs and how we view the world and say, and 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 have the autonomy to say, I've got some really screwed up beliefs. And I just had a lot of really screwed up beliefs on my belief window. And a lot of it came from how I observed relationships in my family or, you know, uh, how I was treated or, you know, uh, maybe I didn't quite have some of the mentorship and I didn't. I have some of the mentorship growing up that I, that really would have helped and assisted me in making better decisions in my relationships. But I caught it early on, right? I caught it in my mid-20s. And I, and I had to acknowledge that I just had a lot of really screwed up beliefs. And I came to a point where I had to ask myself this question and, and, it, and, it's, and it's very simple. And, and most men and women should ask ourselves to the fact that is this belief going to meet my needs over time? Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of the times when I identified, like, gosh, I'm struggling with this relationship or I'm struggling to get to a point to where I can have trust with somebody or I'm struggling with, listen, you can really kind of just look at this belief window that we all have. We all see the world through a different window of, of purview, and it's all based upon experiences. And unfortunately, I just had a lot of screwed up beliefs on my belief, my belief window. But once I started asking myself that question of, man, is this belief, though, is it meeting my needs over time? Because right now it might be, you know, uh, right now for the purpose of, of survival, maybe for the purpose of, you know, it, it's, it's making me money right now. I know this isn't what I should be doing, but it's, it's meeting needs over now, uh, over time for now. But when I changed that question that I asked myself and said, but is it meeting my needs over time? It completely changed my beliefs on my window. And I had to acknowledge and be honest with myself and say, listen, you know, me shielding myself and having trust in relationship that might be meeting my needs right now because it's protecting me, but is it meeting my needs over time? And anytime I said no, boom, I could say I've got a screwed up belief. Okay, I need to do some self introspective in that, that really sacred private space that men don't go to and say, what is, what is promoting me to even have this belief then on my belief window? And let's erase it because it's a simple, it really is as simple as that and saying, I can, I have the power to erase a screwed up belief on my window and change the destiny of my future. Mm -hmm. But until you get to that point to, to identify what is a belief that's really screwing you up and have the power to say, I am changing that. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're all byproduct of choices that we make. And so being empowered enough to say, I can conscientiously, conscientiously make a change on that belief window and change the destiny of my future forever. And that's what I, that was that process that I did in my mid twenties into my thirties that really altered the direction and the destiny of where I've kind of 
changed my path both in my family, person I chose to marry, my children, my career destination choices, and, and how I live, live my life to this day. But it really resulted in identifying some really screwed up beliefs and then changing those beliefs so that they did meet my needs over time and that they were in concert with what I valued most in my life. Mm -hmm. That is, it's so, tr I, you and I, like, I feel like you're my brother from another mother. So <laughs> I feel like we, we share so many of the same theories and, and well, beliefs, honestly. It's, um, to me, I agree. Everybody sees the world differently. You know, perception, everybody's perception of, of the world is different and that's their reality. And as we yeah. go through life and we experience external events and they come in through our brain, our brain goes through and like decides what it's going to filter, distort, delete, store, put a memory. And then there's periods of our life when we look back where we chose to believe something and that belief may not be serving us anymore. And then there's that secondary gain from when it might be still serving us, but is it so like truly serving us or is it just we get one little piece of it that we feel is serving us and sometimes it's hard to let go of it of that belief and put a new one in place and I found that with the guys that I've worked with and my clients they, they hang on to those secondary beliefs those secondary gains on those beliefs they want to hold on to them because you know there's that one little piece that benefits me and they fail to see all of the other pieces where it does not and I, I, I don't know if it's the ego that steps in there but what, what's your opinion on that Brian do you think that that might be a struggle to hold on to something that you view as a secondary gain and, and want to just hold on to it for a little bit longer or what well, do you want to help release it? No, absolutely. And we all do it because it's yeah. comfortable. And, yeah. we, and, we, and, we, and we try to rest where we, we find comfort and safety, of mm -hmm. course. But when it's going to push us to be our better self, that's the only time that we're experiencing growth when we have that pit in our stomach, when we know mm -hmm. we're really working on something that we should have been, probably been working on a long time ago that we mm -hmm. truly experienced growth. What I love about just the, this analogy that I'm giving you at the belief window and the question is, is does it meet my needs over time? Because that's gonna tell you whether I need to move now or maybe I keep that belief window. But what I love about the, this analogy is the fact that it's non-judgmental. You know, my belief window may be entirely different than your beliefs. And that's not that my beliefs are any better than your beliefs. It's just yeah. there are beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to decide whether you have a screwed up belief window. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't smoke and I, I'm not going to smoke because I just think it's from a physical uh, inducing harm that I'm, I don't want to do it. And uh, But you may find that you enjoy smoking and that it's... Uh, that it may meet your needs over time because you don't care if you live a long life or you don't care if it may cut five years out of your life. And neither you're right or, or you're wrong or I'm right and I'm wrong. It, it's what your belief is. It's yeah. a completely non-judgmental mm -hmm. approach for you to make that decision mm -hmm. for yourself to say whether it's going to meet your needs over time. That's not me. It's yeah. not, that's not my job. I think it's interesting because much like the values, it you, we need to – look through our belief window consciously often and evaluate which of these beliefs are serving me and which of them are not right because so we i do believe that the beliefs that are on our window at one point did serve us you know just like if we have a fear around something or a hesitation around something at some point that belief served us but much like our values evolve and much like we evolve over time so do, so must our beliefs, right? So, you know, you hear 
and Jen, in our world, a lot of this concept of limiting beliefs or, you know, beliefs that no longer serve you. So I just think that, you know, Brian, to your point, um, there's no belief that is right or wrong, but I think it is important to say, is this belief serving me now? And if it's not, you know, maybe I need to go ahead and remove it. So I think it's a good exercise, just much, much like what you talked about with like writing down your values to write down, what are my beliefs? Are any of these limiting Are any of these limiting what I'm wanting to do with my life or what my goals are, any of these beliefs holding me back? And where is that lack of alignment to go back to what you were talking about before? Because I definitely think that at times we have belief systems that are not in alignment with our goals. And so of course that's going to create, you know, conflict and confusion. Yeah. No, absolutely. And if you don't get your beliefs <clears throat> entirely in concert with your values, you're going to struggle. Because you're going to find that well, when I'm, I have difficulty even finding what my values are, because you're not being honest with yourself in terms of you may have some really screwed up beliefs. So deal with it. And if, like you said, Lisa, it may be meeting your needs even immediately. And maybe that's okay temporarily. But to me, it's so much more important to say, is it meeting my needs over time? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when you can say, listen, in three to five years or 10 years this is what I want to accomplish. But man, if your beliefs and then your values aren't in concert with where you want to be, you're never going to get there anyways. So deal with the, the heartache right now and the really tough, painful process of dealing with what you sometimes have put off by saying, I've got screwed up beliefs and they're screwed up my values and they're really screwed up my ability to uh, write impactful goals that in the, my heart of heart, in my, in my soul, I know this is who I am and what I need to become. Yeah, you know what, Lisa, ironically, that's exactly what my mastery retreats are gonna be about, is what he just said. When your self-beliefs and your values are conflicting, that's when people are hitting those plateaus and they can't break through that proverbial glass ceiling and get the results that they're looking for and you get in that cycle. So when I was talking about doing those mastery retreats, after you bring your business challenge here and we solve it at the end, we also talk about how you're in, you know, mm -hmm. you're impacting your own results yeah. through your incongruency mm -hmm. in between values and, and the belief system. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a big deal. And yep. it causes a lot of people to not hit the success that they know in their heart of hearts they're capable yeah. of. Yeah. And I know we're not doing justice because listen, we could talk about what values really are yeah. and identifying our, but we could spend hours on each one of these topics. But I think what you had just mentioned, that process and that evolution of identifying and, and then cultivating and, and really understanding from belief to value to goals, that through that process, it's, always, it's also really important to be true to yourself by living a principle-centered life that I'm going to, what now that I've identified that process and whatever that may be for me, that I'm gonna be uh, a person that le leads, it, leads through it with integrity. I'm gonna be humble in the process. I wanna be a continual learner and open and uh, what do I need to maybe even do different that uh, I'm gonna lead uh, through this process with character. You know, sometimes people get to this point of self-actualization and they have this, I call it an, an abufu, a blinding flash of the obvious. I, I use that acronym with my boys all the time, but there's a boofoo, a blinding flash to the opposite. They say, oh my gosh, I never noticed it. And it was in, right in front of me this whole time. 
and they get this, it, to me, it's this gift from above, this magical moment of saying, wow, this is who I am. They have this self-actualization and they wrap their arms around it and they get really excited. But then a year goes by and a two years goes by and they kind of lo it loses its luster and it kind of loses its savor. And then they kind of lost the desire to be true of, listen, you said two years ago, this is who you are. What happened? And it's important to, to be mindful of the fact how that we have to be principled centered. We have to conduct and lead ourselves and lead others uh, with integrity and honesty and humility, you know, uh, because as, as much change and evolvement as values can have, principle, principles never do evolve. They're constant. And they stand the time of, of our, our lives and eternities. Principles are principles. And they are what we should govern ourselves and others by. And so it's important that through this process of self-actualization and this process of identifying goals and, you know, this whole process of evolvement that we have in our lives, that we conduct that experience with a high degree of how we live ourselves to, to, to principles. You know, everything that we're talking about reminds me of that quote that says, you know, do what nobody is doing now so you can do what nobody is doing later. Do you know what I mean? It's like this concept of have, have the discipline of, you know, evaluating your values and clearing your beliefs and getting clear on your principles and do, do the things now that, you know, not a lot of people are doing so that you live this fulfilling life later. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. your point. It's serving your values in the future. So yeah. I think it's great. And, um, you know, Brian, we obviously have so much, we could talk about this subject so much more. So I hope to, um, you know, work with you to put some of these exercises together in a workbook for, for the course and share that with people. Cause I really, um, I think, you know, again, this can help men and I appreciate you sharing that. I think really though, it can serve everyone. Um, so one last thing before we wrap up, I just, you know, one of my favorite quotes that um, you always said that I just want to kind of hear a little bit more from you on it is be a fountain and not a drain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't hear that often, um, but, you know, I've read it here and there and I've heard it here and there over time. And it always makes me think of you because that's truly how you lead and that's truly how you live your life. And, um, so, you know, tell us a little bit more about that, expand upon that, but I, I just want you to share that. So you're, you're famous for that. Yes. Yeah, my, my favorite quote that, uh, usually my teams and, and definitely my family get sick of hearing because <laughs> I use it so often. I, it, it kind of falls in line with an acronym that I, an acronym that I use about how we should live our lives underneath the acronym is the word happy. And we won't have time to go into all of that, but, uh, a part of being happy in life is making the choice to be happy. And oftentimes, as you will find out, Lisa, as your children get older and uh, they, they become uh, more bored, easily bored, they come to you and say, Lisa, and as they, my children come to me and say, Dad, I, I'm bored, I, I, I don't know what to do, and uh, no, there's no one to play with, and I, and I will turn to them. I say, are you trying to be a fountain or are you trying to be a drain? <laughs> because right now you are absolutely you're sucking the life out of me. And there are people that we work with. And sometimes, unfortunately, it might even be friends that we have that, man, when I get off the phone with that friend, I need to go find my own counselor because they just suck the life. And, and unfortunately, we don't have to be that way in our lives. Uh, 
uh, and that's not to minimize the the heartache and trials and you know sometimes just the messy stuff that life can throw at us but we really do have a a choice in life in which we can say i can control my destiny i can control my attitude i can control what i want to do in life i can control my happiness and that's what we're i'm a firm believer believer that that's what we're here on earth for we're, we're here on earth to be happy we're here on earth to live a life of fulfillment and joy and the only way to accomplish that is by taking the first step of making the decision for ourselves to say I choose to be happy. And we also have been around people that are just absolute fountains. And I think that's one thing that I've always endeared myself in working and knowing you, Lisa, over the years is the fact that I've never worked around Lisa and walked away and not felt happy. Because there's, there are certain people in life that just exude confidence and exude this, this charisma and personality that brings the best out in others. And that is ultimately why we're here on earth. It's, in my opinion, it's to define happiness and serve and help others define that same thing. And until we can understand that we have to be that, that person to ourselves so that we can be that person to others. So the fountain mentality, and everybody knows what fountains are, right? They, they, uh, they exude this type of calm and refreshing and this just wonderful environment and it pushes water up. Well, that's kind of what people with that type of personality to do too you know they they push people up and they they just exude this environment that people just want to be around you they bring you bring the best out in others conversely to people that are drains they just suck the life they they they're takers so i look at people that are fountains are those that are givers they they look at uh, the world uh, through a uh, a prism of abundance that i want to give more because the more i give the more i get it's the more, more I win, the more other people win, but they just constantly exude this, this personality and this environment that when others are around it, it, it promotes others wanting to be their better self. <laughs> Where conversely with people that are drains, it just, you know, you don't get anywhere. And ultimately those aren't the people that you, you, you want to spend time with long-term. Mm -hmm. So I try to remind myself and my boys and a lot of times my, my team sometimes where you just have to get to the basics and say, listen, today, am I making the choice to be a fountain or am I, am I making the choice to be a drain? Mm -hmm. And it helps put certain things into perspective when you're having oh. a real bad day to just say, okay, yeah. I got to. I feel like I want to get a sign to put somewhere. So I think it's such a great reminder. Well, Brian, you're amazing. More to come. Um, you know, Brian talked about an acronym about happy. So if you guys want to know more about that, um, I can definitely share that with you. So feel free to reach out. Um, Brian, if someone wanted to reach out to you, just, you know, I know you're not really doing any other business or anything, but as a, a mentor or just someone to talk to, um, how, how would we get a hold of you? Oh, I guess through you. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. If you guys um, need anything from Brian, just reach out to Lisa K at lisakcoaching.com or comment on our Business and Bliss podcast and we'll circle back with you. Brian, it's been awesome having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. We so appreciate it. No, it's always a pleasure to be with you and uh, appreciate the time and look forward to talking All right. Awesome meeting you, Brian. Thank you. You as well. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. -bye.